It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is a Duncan Philly victory party on episode number 48 right here on BGN Radio. The final seconds have just ticked away. Here for an exciting, and uh, if everybody needs a heart pill, that's fine. You can take those now. Uh, just ended Colts-Eagles Monday Night Football. Quite uh, a lot of things to talk about in this one. And uh, let's introduce a little bit of the crew that's here with us. It's uh, the professor himself, the nicest man, the prettiest man in the room, Mr. Patrick Wall. What's happening, pal? Hey, buddy. I'm uh, excited to be on my first recap show. Yeah. It's exciting. And, of course, from our Eagles, the professional internet commenter as well, Mr. Matt Daring, how are you, buddy? Hey, John, I am still alive. <laughs> well, speaking of still alive, Cody Parkey uh, making up for some awesomeness or not so awesomeness earlier in the game. Um, I, this is one of those things that you just, as a Philadelphia fan, you have in your stomach that, yeah, it's just not going to get pulled out. Malcolm Jenkins has an amazing uh, a pick that maybe probably should have been called because Brandon Poikin shoved down T.Y. Hilton. At least that's what they've been talking about on ESPN, and that's a game changer and all that stuff. Uh, P. Wall, what are some of the uh, highlights for you in this game? What were some game changers, and what were the things that made you go, hmm? We're going to be talking about a lot of the same stuff this week. I mean, Nick Foles was overthrowing receivers, was not anticipating routes well, uh, was just not reading the field the way you want to see your franchise quarterback read the field. Uh, But, I mean, once again, I, I, I tweeted this during the game. Darren Sproles has been the heart and soul of this team for the last two weeks. When they've needed a big play, when they've needed a touchdown, when they needed a momentum changer, uh, Darren Sproles has been the guy. And considering he got him for Isaac Sopawaga, essentially, the fifth-round pick that became uh, that we got from Isaac Sopawaga, I mean, the, the Saints must just be kicking themselves right now. It's a great trade. Sproles is perfect for this system, and... You know, it says a lot about Chip Kelly that that your offense can just not look good all game. The defense can lose Michael Kendricks and still pull out big plays. And you know, Andy Reid coaching this team, yeah, this team is zero and two right now. I mean, give the coaching staff a lot of credit here. Yeah, and you know, um, Darren Sproles seven wrecks, one hundred and fifty two yards. It's not like they were bombs. He really made humongous plays out there. Um, Shady did his thing there for a little bit. You can really tell that this offensive line is desperately missing its playmakers in the run game. 
At least that's what I saw from my eyes in the uh, you know in the quick go. And again, I'm I'm right there with Patrick. I am ready for Mark Sanchez, and I don't care who hates me for it at this point. I think there was way too many plays left on the field again. Um, the, uh, poor decision making. Uh, I, I don't know where to where to kind of start with all this. I don't want to sound like him and Han. This is the first time a team has started 2-0 and coming down from 14 points or more in the half, and that's an incredible feat. I think that alone is a statement, but going forward, once you get into, I would even say at this point, Houston, your Seattle's, San Francisco uh, coming up in two weeks, even Washington might pose a little bit of a problem. Matt, what do you think about all this. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I'd love to say that this this uh, win showed a lot of integrity and guts and you know heart and everything else, but I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have hung a lot more points than that. And it seems sort of stupid to say because they did ultimately put up 30 points. But I mean, we watched it a few times. You know, Jordan Matthews comes wide open and he doesn't throw it. Darren Sproles comes wide open and he puts it in Shady's belly and leaves it there. Uh, yeah, we, you know, uh, Macklin was, uh, Macklin was open, uh, deep on what, at least two plays, the one inter- resulted in an interception. You could say Macklin maybe should have made a play on that, he but that's have. sort of, but that's, uh, that's sort of beside the point. I think that, um, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of points being left out there and, you know, some, somehow we're pulling it out, but I just really don't think we should have put ourselves in this situation in the first place. I think everybody out there in, in listener land, they're in their, uh, their blood pressure doctors, if that's a thing, will agree. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I, I don't know if that was, especially in the red zone in the early first half, good God, I don't know if that was more. There were some play calls where I was meh about the um, uh, the couple of shady runs early. I didn't really understand. Well, a lot of those were options, I think. Yeah, um, well, and and the, the first one, it was definitely, uh, they were bad options. He chose the wrong option. Yeah, yeah and there's, a, again, that's a kind of kind of a continuum thing, theme. That's something that Dan Klossner's harped on. That's something that, you know, uh, even Brandon has rode that train. I know Mike has even come around to that fact, despite the, that he has been, uh, you know, a big full supporter going into this thing. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know, that should, I don't want to keep, repeating the same things but if you don't think that Foles is a problem I think you're not seeing this football team properly because again yes the wide receivers had some drops too I'm not excusing them uh Selleck with the easy touchdown um you know early in the game I think there was uh, a couple maybe Ertz should have had Jeremy Macklin probably could have had one Jordan Matthews had a drop but uh, again uh, the other thing that kind of concerns me outside of all of that uh, Patrick is Riley Cooper's kind of been non-existent, and I, again, I don't know if that's part of Foles' play or anything like that. Um, he doesn't seem to get any kind of separation in, in fade routes, even when he did, and and Foles threw a beautiful ball in the pocket. I really didn't see him kind of make any effort there. Um, what did you see out of the wide receiving core as a whole tonight? Not much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these wide receivers. I, it's so frustrating because when your quarterback is playing the way that Nick Foles has played in the last couple of games, you need your wide receivers to help them out. You need them to go make a tough catch. You need them to adjust their routes when they see that, or they can feel that the, you know, the ball might come to them a little short. These guys are just not giving Nick any help. They're, it's just so frustrating to watch, you know, these guys just come across the middle and, and the ball if it isn't perfectly placed, so it bounces off their fingertips. Or with Riley Cooper, you know, the touchdown 
fade route hits you in the hands and you just can't come down with it. I mean, you, you, you can't be an elite offense and do this, especially with a struggling quarterback. It's very frustrating. I, uh, I, yeah, I have to agree. There wasn't a lot to like about that. Um, you know, we saw even the guys, they did make a catch, you know, wow, look at this guy, you know, what a great catch and run. He follows it up with a drop or he follows it up with a, a poorly run route or, uh, you know, whatever, even, even, um, Jordan Matthews, he had that really great catch and run where you saw like, wow, look at this guy with the ball in his hands. And, and I think he followed it up immediately with the, you know, they went right back to him on the other side and he was, and just, just hit him and fell to the ground. It was, I mean, it was terrible. Uh, so yeah, you, I mean, you haven't seen a ton from them and, and some of that's on Nick, but a lot of that's on them too. You know, like Patrick was saying, uh, you know, we saw Macklin, he got, uh, on that screen pass, he saw that uh, Nick threw it and it was in front of him. And then there was another screen pass where Foles uh, threw it and it was, you know, right to the ground at his feet. Uh, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do there, uh, but not a lot of help. I mean, I think I saw that what Foles was like four for 14 when throwing at his wide receivers. Yeah. And he was like 10 for 12 and throwing at somebody else. That probably isn't, that probably isn't right. But. Yeah, we'll run it down here real quick. Riley Cooper, one catch, eight yards, you know. Uh, Jordan Matthews, one catch, 17 yards. LaShawn McCoy, four for 23. Jeremy Macklin, four for 45 and a touchdown. Zach Ertz, four for 86. And I, speaking of Zach Ertz, I'm not sure why that wasn't exploited more, especially in the second and third quarters going on there. I'm not sure why they didn't, again, just have him on the field constantly. He was beating everybody. There was a, actually the the overthrow to Macklin, I think, in the third quarter, um, you know, Foles had hurts wide open. I mean, he was he was burning all that linebacking core all night long. Um, for Patrick, for you, were there any uh, any other play calls? Any anything else that kind of made you question what exactly the uh, Eagles were trying to do in this game? Well, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier with the red zone offense. I mean, I felt like I was watching an Andy Reid offense again. Anybody else feel that? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Just oh, yeah, like yeah. overthinking plays, and you know. For for an offense and a, and a coach that sort of preach this idea that you do what you're good at and you exploit mismatches, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of that in this game, which I think was the most frustrating part because you knew that the Colts coming into this game were going to go tit for tat and you damn well better win your matchups and, you know, as a coach, you better put your players in the right positions. And for a coach like Chip Kelly where that's their hallmark, you got to punch it in, in the red zone. And then Cody Parkey misses a field goal and sort of exacerbates that. Uh, I mean, that's that's frustrating. And one other thing I wanted to point out about Nick Foles, it looked like through the whole game or through a lot of the game, he was really sort of favoring certain receivers or he felt like he was more comfortable throwing to one guy over another. Uh, early in the game, you saw him sort of wait for LaShawn McCoy to get open, even though he had, I believe it was uh, Jordan Matthews open on the right side. And he threw it to uh, McCoy anyway, who got like two yards. So, you know, it, it's just really kind of disconcerting that Nick doesn't feel like he is comfortable for whatever reason. And, I mean, he's the full-time starter. He's the unquestioned starter. The entire franchise is behind him. And it doesn't seem like he has the confidence, which is which is sort of baffling to me. And it's weird because this is the thing that everybody was talking about leading up to this game is that Nick Foles wasn't, doesn't string bad games together. He doesn't, you know, do this. He's going to find his way out. I mean, he looked pretty much the same as he did in Jacksonville. A little better, obviously. I mean, he had a lot better first half. But, you know, through all that, I mean, he still ends up going 21 for 37. He still throws for over 300 yards. 
He's got eight yards plus per attempt, uh, touchdown and an interception. I, I I don't know. I mean, like I I say pull the trigger and go with Mark Sanchez because I really do think he can flourish in this offense, man. I I, I think the quick decision making, he, the guys that he finds open, it's one two and boom. I, I mean the and I got to say this. Shout out to the offensive line again because whether or not that they were the Colts defense was run down whatever it was it treaded water well enough through the latter part of the game uh Nick Foles had a clean pocket pretty much the whole entire game uh you're talking about a third string guy that's on the right side again you know it's funny man I'm really surprised that they didn't put Harriman's out there at the tackle position did you still find that odd that they went with the setup what they did well I didn't find it odd but I did find it frustrating um that's what I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not used to uh not used to, to disagreeing with them. I sort of know what they're saying. You know, they want to preach everybody plays where they are, but uh, I just don't like Gardner as much. And I'd much rather see, you know, another backup guard in there instead of, uh, instead of Gardner, even putting Gardner at guard that, uh, that might be a little bit more preferable than, than just sticking him one-on-one because I mean, he made Eric Walden look good and Eric Walden is not good. Um, so I would have, yeah, I would have rather seen the, the Todd get out there and, and uh, playing some tackle than, than watching Andrew Gardner do that anymore. Well, uh, so get well soon, David. Moore. Yes, everybody. Matt Tobin gets some rest. Evan Matthews gets some rest, gets a, gets everything. The other big humongous hit that the defense took, Michael Kendricks out uh, and still no news as of this recording thus so far. It said he had a, you know, a lower muscle strain, uh, something like that. This defense cannot take Casey Matthews because he looked horrendous horrendous even with the time on there he got benched he got benched that's what I'm saying (laughs) he got benched in the middle of the game (laughs) yeah he did so uh, with that issue hanging out there we're on a short week Um, hopefully that you know Kendricks comes back but what kind of moves can you make at this point if you don't I mean you is Acho the guy next to Miko Ryans he's gonna have to be Uh, what other choice he got I mean Unless uh, Matt wants to put uh, Marcus Smith out there right now, I mean, you don't really have a lot of choices. We talked about this in our last in our last podcast, in the preview podcast, where you have a, a, a situation where, you know, you can't just bring a guy off the street and expect him to be able to come in and play, let alone start uh, <laughs> in the middle of your defense. Uh, and you guys hated that idea. Yeah, I, I never, I never, I've always liked that idea. So I'm not sure why. I don't know why that got so much hate. But I mean, you know, he's inactive tonight. Jeez, oh man! I don't know why would you. You have no linebackers. Like I don't know. Yeah, that's, well, we won't see that happen again. I mean, he'll be active nope. from here on out. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a big, big issue going forward. But before we get into bigger issues, we got to celebrate this victory a little bit. I know we get a little crazy. I get a little cranky after the game. One of the best things that gets me out of the funk is free Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That's right. Celebrate this Eagles victory with Dunkin' Donuts in the greater Philadelphia area as it runs the Eagles win UN program. Fans can score a free medium hot or iced coffee the day after each Eagles win with a special offer on the Dunkin' Donuts mobile app. Download the app and give them a follow at Dunkin' Philly on Twitter or Facebook for more information. Eagles fans run on Dunkin'. And we are doing, uh, uh, again, plenty more with Dunkin' Donuts this year. 
and there's some big things on the horizon, so stay tight. Patrick, uh, I know you wanted to chime in here, bud. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, silver lining there, though. I mean, Kendricks was able to walk off the field under his own power. Um, you know, it's a short week, but you hope that maybe with a little bit of time off, uh, he can come back. He's young enough that, you know, hopefully he can recover quickly, and, and he knows the defense. So, you know, if he misses a few days or maybe even the whole week of practice and he can play on Sunday, it's not the end of the world. So, uh, he wasn't carted off. That's that's the big silver lining there. Yeah, the uh, I thought the pass rush uh, did a pretty decent job in the beginning. They looked pretty tired as they got through. Fletcher Cox was an absolute freaking monster again today. I'm so happy that that uh, the uh, the preseason and all that other stuff just kind of floated away into thin air, and everybody's already forgotten about it. The thing I will say though is, D'Amico Ryan's was definitely a lot slower than Fletcher Cox, and or about the same speed, which is. Not not good at all. Um, yeah, well, we saw we saw when he chased down um, he chased down Luck for if that wasn't a sack, it was a tackle for a short game. Um, yeah, because I, I don't think they had any sacks. But uh, we saw Fletcher Cox was clearly outrunning D'Amico Ryan's. He was clearly outrunning Connor Barwin. Yeah. How about that? I mean, Fletcher yeah. Cox is that is a grown man. That guy is really something. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, and again, Connor Barwin still had uh, I think uh, two kind of bass, uh, passes batted. Around which really threw off the timing early on, which is really great. Um, I don't know, uh, Patch. How, how did you feel about Billy Davis, kind of overall with his his play calling tonight? It, it seemed uh, really good at times, and then other times you just kind of sitting there scratching your head. The the I mean, John Gruden kept saying the overloaded line and the counter over and over and over again, and that's what they seem to uh, be running. Um, do you think that's more on execution, or do you think that was more on scheme tonight? I'd say a little of both. I mean. Y- you you have to be able to if you notice a team is is pulling the same trick multiple times you have to you have to have a response for it you have to be able to answer for something like that in the NFL or they're gonna or Trent Richardson's gonna have a career day against you on uh, <laughs> national television which yeah. is what we all expected yeah uh well it was just it's this the hallmark of this defense it has to be maybe the most frustrating aspect of any defense ever which is giving up long third downs I mean it was third and thirteen. Colts were deep in their own territory. The Eagles had to get off the field, and I just said, yeah, they're going to make this. And, you know, 20-yard pass because Kerry Williams is awful. And uh, Yeah, this defense, I mean, it's it's showing improvement, and some of the guys that you want to see improve are improving, but there's still ways to go with this thing. Uh, well, I want to give a shout-out to the defense because uh, they had, what, four three-and-outs? That's pretty impressive. I mean, Andrew Luxon is slouch, and there was a, they, they had a lot going on on offense, but the defense, they got off the field pretty quickly a lot. I, I thought that they, uh, I thought they played, a, you know, an underrated aspect of this was was the fact that they got the ball back to the offense pretty quickly when they needed to, yeah. uh, including on that last drive. I mean, that that last drive stalled pretty fast. And when they, it was a three and out, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the yeah, I want to I want to touch on that and also absolutely on your point. I mean, there was multiple times, especially in the first half, the first two drives that the Eagles had on offense, that the you know the Eagles were Eagles defense shut them down so much that you're like, oh my gosh. If this keeps up, you know, this is going to be a blowout. Um, and then, you know, the offense really wouldn't kind of tick along there. On that last series, though, I thought it was kind of odd that you, you call two straight, you know, the same basically two plays that we've just been talking about over and over again and think that the Eagles would eventually be fooled by that and then pass on third and five. Um, and you guys think that was odd, very conservative, the Colts to do just to kind of be like hand the ball back and, you know, hopefully they'll be able to stop them after a, a gassed uh, Colts defense? Well, I think that that's the hallmark of a defensive head coach. You know, the head coaches are the ones who are making those those final decisions like 
what are we going to do? What's our sort of outlook here? And uh, I think that you see it a lot with defensive hit minded head coaches where they sort of are like, all right, let's get the, uh, let's just, you know, let's bleed a little clock. Let's try to be conservative and then we can, we can put our defense back out on the field. And frankly, I don't think that that was the right decision. And well, obviously they lost the game. So yeah. that's a good point by me, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just, I almost never agree with that. I mean, I think that right there, that's a shot for you to, to sort of, I mean, they needed to convert. And then when they didn't and were and then where they were playing for overtime, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was poor decision-making. And we saw Ron Rivera do that in the past. I think we've seen John Fox do that in the past and it's burned them, you know, and, and Ron Rivera sort of went crazy last year after getting burned so many times by all this that, um, you know, and I think, uh, I think Chuck Pagano sort of, illustrates the same sort of the same hallmark oh yeah for sure and and patrick what were your thoughts going into that final drive there good lord (laughs) i i didn't have any thoughts i was too busy you know trying not to bite my fingernails off or throw something or or what have you i mean it's yeah mine are long gone pro tip cut your nails really short during the week so that when sunday comes you don't have anything to bite off works for me It's this team is i feel like in a lot of ways i'm still getting used to my team being coached by uh chip kelly in that, you know, you're all excited during the week when your brain is thinking rationally. But when the game is happening, I so I feel like my experience as an Eagles fan takes over, and I just I see things so, sort of through an Andy Reid lens. So, you know, when the game is coming down, like basically anytime anything looks negative, I give up. Yeah. But yeah. But we, <laughs> you know, that's the I, thing. It's we're kind of conditioned to do that thing. It's just like, all right, this is uh, you know, it's it's twenty to six. This isn't this isn't working out well. The, the second half didn't come out. They shut us, you know, shut the Eagles down, going three and out. Um, you know, you know what this team, I, this team, it believes in itself clearly. I mean, and and I think a lot of that is Darren Sproles, uh, like I said before. But I mean, I think if you were in the locker room tonight and you asked these guys, you know, did you think you'd pull it out at the end? I think they would probably look at you funny. Like, of course we did. <laughs> I, I mean, if for us from the outside looking in, I kind of feel like it's a situation where we're wringing our our hands a lot. I bet you there's a lot less hand-wringing going on inside that locker room and inside the NovaCare complex uh, just because I think they understand what they have. And I feel like a lot of times football players are just a little bit more willing to do the long play than we are because they're in it every day. But, you know, I, I think this team really believes in itself. And, um, you know, two bad weeks but two wins makes probably makes them feel like, you know, we'll just wait till we get going. And I think, uh, you know, you want them to keep that moxie because it'd be pretty disastrous if they didn't have it, I guess. Oh, yeah. 2-0 and is way better than 1-1, and especially for the Colts fans out there at now 0-2, which is never good historically for any football team to come out and start that way. Um, interesting note here from Chris Burke from um, uh, Sports Illustrated. said the Eagles averaged 17.6 yards on 15 offensive plays where either Sproles or Ertz touch the ball and 21.6 yards on passes to those two interesting uh please keep that up and available chip kelly please god uh another thing that you know what i forgot to talk about was the complete momentum shift of fletcher cox forcing the fumble right as uh, the colts are coming down to try and score one more time uh that i think pretty much changed the game for everybody um, I, I get the sense that tomorrow there's going to be a lot of, well, the refs kind of made those two critical calls, uh, you know, the pass interference call and then uh, the horse collar tackle and uh, all that other stuff. I mean, if you really think that 
I don't know. Sure, they got lucky. There's a couple other calls that, that didn't go the Eagles' way either. Um, I, I just think that there is a lot of room for this team to absolutely still break records offensively. Oh, without Deshaun Jackson, too. That's a surprise. Um, and I, I, I don't know, Matt. Like, how are you feeling going forward with this team right now? Uh, well, here's my sincere, deepest, darkest fear is that this is going to keep happening. <laughs> uh and I'm, I'm the yeah i mean we we joke but i am i am sort of serious i think that this is the sort of team that's built for that sort of uh well i'll call it crap because i hate this um i think that this team i mean we talk about the conditioning and the announcers love to point it out when they show like the eagles will get you stuck you know with one with one group of defensive linemen and the defensive linemen look absolutely gassed but i think it's more than that i think you know there's the short con like that but they also can pull the long con and I think this is a team that's built to play in the fourth quarter. They're in better shape than anybody else. They're smarter. They have more stuff up their sleeves, and they have more, you know, they have more skill up front than probably any other team. So I would think that uh, that we're going to see a few more games like this where, you know, they just sort of seem to have some unstoppable momentum going into the fourth quarter, and or you know, coming out of the fourth quarter that that ultimately results in wins. And it's going to be horrifying, and it's going to be great. So let's just lean into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is true. And, I mean, that's anybody would tell you that saw Chip Kelly in Oregon, that's basically how that football program was built. Um, you know, you, you saw the second-half adjustments. And, again, I don't even know if you need to really adjust anything. There wasn't really anything to adjust. There's just a lot of it was execution. Again, last year we were talking about all these bad play calls, these awful play calls. And then you go back and look at the game and you look at the all 22 and realize, oh, there was a bunch of plays to be made and it just, it didn't work out. Um, I do think the jump from last year to this year is huge. I think you lose those two games without a doubt. You lose those two games last year, even though it's Chip Kelly Um, and Matt touched on a great point. I mean, that is exactly what this team is built for. Uh, it's also made for kicking your ass and we haven't been, the Eagles have not been able to kick your ass yet. And I think that's what we're all still waiting on. Patrick, what is it going to take for it to, for this team to start kicking ass? Oh, I want to interrupt real fast. Uh, Tim McManus just reported that Kendrick says it's a calf spasm and he should be fine. Oh, thank the Lord. That is, you can always interrupt for that. So all my Kendrick's worries and all the Casey Matthews things can come arrest. But Patrick, seriously, what do we have to, what do the Eagles have to do to start kicking ass here i think the easy answer is to say that nick Foles has to get his s together uh but but i'm gonna get a little bit i'm gonna get a little bit deeper than that the offense needs its full complement of people back although that's probably not going to happen until the very end of the season uh, really i think it just comes down to faith in the play i mean i feel like a lot of times whether it's nick Foles questioning what he's seeing on the field or, you know, guys hearing footsteps when the ball is thrown to them. I think it's it might just be a time thing. I, I really don't know what else to say other than we're doomed because I don't really think that's the case. Uh, you know, I think it's just going to be – I think it's going to be like the Niners game, a game that everyone's expecting the Eagles to lose, and Nick Foles is going to be like, wait, my first read, I can go there. And, uh, you know, Jordan Matthews will say, oh, look, I can catch the ball and then get 15 yards after the catch. And that's when that sort of – that's that's going to click. I think you just need a game. Maybe it's maybe it's the Washington game where they play a sort of a lesser opponent and get it going early and they get that confidence going. There's at some point 
they're going to have to get it going early, whether it's by luck or by playing a bad team or just figuring it out magically. But they're going to need a moment early in a game where they can get it going and and keep the game going by stepping on their opponent's throat and saying, "Wow, look at what we can do when we're when we're playing up to our potential." And yeah, we need a Bears game. What you, yeah, well, and that's what you saw with the defense last year. I think after the after the Broncos game, they said, "Okay, well, it can't get any worse." And everybody kind of loosened up, and and they were learning more about what their responsibilities were. And I think the offense needs sort of the opposite of that. I think they need to just sort of, you know, grip it and rip it and all that. Absolutely, let the game come to them, and that's kind of the thing. I'm. I know it sounds like we're being negative, Nancy's here. So over a win, where the Eagles are freaking two and zero. I'm I'm ecstatic that this team dug down deep, did what it had to to win this ball game. It was fantastic. I, you know, we had to take our heart pills. We had to do all sorts of other stuff. And sometimes we're conditioned, just like we said earlier, that those are going to be losses and they end up being wins. It's very rarely that we're, I'm used to, and I think a lot of us are used to those close victories. And that's what I love about this team. They don't give up. The offense can still score at will when it needs to. The defense makes plays when it has to. Um, and it and, and again, it's not all form functioning there, but man, oh man, if they th- figured this thing out and it's clicking on all cylinders, this is going to be a nightmare for a bunch of NFL teams. And I think that's going to be what that's what needs to happen going forward here. You know, I, I don't I don't care if I take heat right now to say that I think Mark Sanchez is the better option over Nick Foles. Um, I I think that's as it stands right now. He can't lead you into a playoff game, and that's where I'm kind of looking at it. It's two weeks in. If they get it together, I'll look like an idiot, and that's fine. But for now, I still need to see more out of Foles going into this thing. But let's celebrate it anyway. It's an Eagles victory, and we're on to Washington as Deshaun comes back. It'll be a media frenzy. I'm sure there will be plenty of articles and thought pieces and all that good stuff as we're kind of trolling right along here. But I uh, want to get uh, everybody's uh, final thoughts here. So, Matt, go for it. Final thoughts. Uh, no, just want to keep seeing progress in the defense. I think they're I think they're finally starting to get it together. I think they've shown constant improvement from about week four of last year on. Um, just want to see just want to see a little bit more from them. Want to see them capitalize a little bit more on some of these interesting blitzes. Uh, want to see them stop playing down to the level of their competition, especially along the line. But uh, I like what I like what Billy Davis is doing for the most part. Two things. First thing to consider with the Nick Foles, Mark Sanchez debate: once you make that decision, there is no going back. If you pull Mark, if you pull Nick Foles and put in Mark Sanchez, you are not going to go back to Nick Foles. So if you're the coaching staff, you're probably feeling like you might ride it out a little bit longer and see what he's got. But this is not a decision you can make in the first month of the season. Second thing, we are now going into the Washington Football Week. Let's keep the Deshaun think pieces to a minimum this week, people, please. <laughs> I hope you're speaking to our own brethren on that one because I I, uh, I think there will be plenty of Deshaun think pieces going on in a round. I here. agree. Um, I will, however, say 64 points, zero Deshaun Jackson, as I tweeted out earlier. So uh, it'll be um, – I'm hopeful for what's going to happen going forward here. I gave my pretty much my final thoughts already, but uh, – all I want to do right now is just thank you for listening to this episode of BGN Radio. Monday Night Football was a lot of fun. We're all fueled here by Duncan Philly. So once again, go get your free coffee today. It's uh, delicious. I'm going to head out and get some myself right now. 
Um, but for me, John Barchard, for Mr. Patrick Wall, for Mr. Matt Daring, we thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 48. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. 